Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig, and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hello. What was that pause? I don't think there's a fucking pause. There's definitely a pause. I, t- I tell you what, like, don't, don't, don't stop the recording. Go again. Just say hello to Paul. Okay. My name is Fergus Craig, and I'm joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hello. Is that Dave, better? You're still, you're still pausing. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, that was fun. So, um, uh yeah how how are you doing guys are you good is everyone good guys yeah good. just start finished. the kitchen work soon Ooh. Ooh. Do that again dave we'll get the kitchen done soon oh wow but the that'll be the um the natter money rolling in oh. <laughs> farrow and ball paint everywhere yeah Really? Really? We're, no, we're not. No, we're not really using Farrow. Are you kidding me? I said, it's like hundred really, quid. This podcast has chronicled <laughs> your rise into the middle classes, Dave. What I did is I found a website which finds out the like almost like the code that they use for the the various shades of paint, and then just you can just give that to somebody who will mix it for you, and it's exactly the same as Farrow and Ball. Are you using like, Canon, Canon and Ball paint? <laughs> Okay, so that's a um, little insight into there into the sort of chat that you don't get on other Newcastle United podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I've been um, busy here. I'm currently taking down all the deadline day bunting and decorations from the house. Every year. I don't know. When do you take yours down? Because we always do ours on the first day afterwards. No, we usually keep it on because you don't. it's nice to have the memory of it there. Yeah, we've got a whole year to wait. And you're still wearing your yellow tie. Yeah, it's a big. It was weird. I'll say this now. It was weird to be involved in Deadline Day because yeah. for years, yeah. Deadline Day has sort of passed me by because as a club we haven't really been involved with it, and even just the transfer window in general. If we sign, 
anyone interesting, which I suppose we have done, to be fair, you know, in like one in every four transfer windows, you know, the, the Wilson and Fraser transfer window was, was the last sort of good one pre the current ownership. But like in general, I, I don't get excited about the transfer window or deadline day, but this was obviously different. How did you feel about it, guys? I I enjoyed it not just for the the spectacle of like you say being involved, but I, I thought, like speaking very generally, I thought that we addressed a lot of the weaknesses in our squad, and it was nice to see that happen rather than oh we've signed like another attacking midfielder like we used to go through a, a, a like a period of just signing attacking midfielders when we didn't really need them. We signed a centre back for the first time since 2018, which is quite exciting. It's yeah, it was it was nice to see holes in the squad being filled. Yeah, I think it's nice to see players signed where the, the main logic behind getting them isn't what's their resale value gonna be. Yep. It was also nice to spend deadline day instead of going, for fuck's sake, please just get Hamza Chowdhury thinking <laughs> just... for fuck's sake, it would be really useful to get a sixth player in. It's like it's a yeah. sign of how much things have changed. I mean, there was there was slight. There were, it's hard. It's, it feels churlish to be like disappointed about it, but there were little things where I was like, "Oh, that would have been really great if we got that one done." Like the um, like the Lingard deal that never happened, or or Van der Beek, or you know something like that. Where it's not necessarily like I wasn't. I'm not gutted that we didn't sign them, but it would have been like oh, that would have been even better, you know. We didn't, we'll get into the nitty-gritty, but hmm. we didn't really sign any, uh, except for Chris Wood earlier in the window, we didn't really sign any attacking players, did we? So, yeah, that could be Yeah, possible. I think our two biggest problem areas, and it's debatable, because I think, I think Gamara, who will come on to, solves a big problem that we've had for a long time. But centre-back and striker seem to be the biggest areas. Chris Wood, I'm not sure, strengthens us. It, it gives us greater depth, but I'm not sure. You sort of want to be bringing in players that are going to be better than what's already there, generally. Chris um, Wood, looking back, Chris Wood, uh, I'm not, I don't want to call it a panic buy. I'm not, I'm not criticising the buy, but it was like the situation we were in in relegation, it was like we and our only Premier League standard striker was injured for a long time. It was a case mm. of we really need a striker now. Yeah, it was I interesting think... as well. There was a piece in the Athletic where they were they were saying that the the amount we spent for Chris Wood, a lot of there were agents and other clubs where that sent the message out of Newcastle will overpay for players. I mm. feel like that could have hurt us with negotiations when it came to players like Botman and Carlos, where suddenly clubs thought. So I think the Trippier deal actually was the best footing we could have got off to with this window, where it showed we were quite shrewd. We were able to do deals that people didn't expect and attract a level of player. I feel like the Chris yeah. Wood one undid a lot of the good groundwork of that. But we need yeah. a striker. That I think that's that's the underlying point is that yeah, I, I had Wilson been fit, I don't think we would have made the Chris Wood signing mm. at all. I don't think we would have bought him, but it was that like we need a striker now. We know that there's a release clause. 
We know that he can play in the Premier League and all these kind of things. We know he's available. He'd be interested. Let's just go and get someone and, and we'll deal with the rest when we deal with the rest. If Wilson was fit, I think we would have got like, I don't know, like Darwin Nunes or Zapata that we were linked with or like somebody of that calibre rather than like bang average Chris Wood. Right. I don't, I, the, the, this, there's a lot of the fanfare, the bunting, as Paul puts it, around deadline day is so ridiculous. And there's a, like a new thing that's been added to it recently, which you know, I think maybe it's only really started happening in the last year, or maybe I'm just not noticing it because now other clubs have done it for a while and now it's a, we've just joined in. These like when they sign a player, these videos that come out, the social media stuff for the players, it's just, I find it quite embarrassing. Like the worst one was the Frank Lampard announced as Everton manager <laughs> video, which was just absurd. I put it on Twitter. It looked like, it looked like he was like announcing like a new m and clothing range. Have you but, seen it to the, to the theme tune of Hollyoaks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so weird. I did enjoy the Dan Byrne one though, because it's, I think it's quite an unsexy signing and then just having burn baby burn playing over is good. The Bruno Guimaraes one, which I think his own team made, just seems yeah. to be having really weird digs at Arsenal. I'm assuming Newcastle United made that or at least had some input I, into maybe. it. Maybe, I'm not sure. I think a lot of players have whole teams that do that stuff for them. I'm sure the club would have had to okay it. There's a bit of but like, if you've seen, yeah. why, why, if you've not, why are you so fixated on Arsenal? Yeah, if you've not seen the Bruno one, have a look at it. It's, it's on his Twitter feed. He just, like, I don't know how long it is, a minute long or whatever. And the first half of it is just like headlines saying that he was going to sign for Arsenal. <laughs> And like, I don't think Arsenal made a bid. But it's like, why this weird trolling of Arsenal? Maybe it's a case of like, he really wanted to go for to Arsenal yeah. and they never signed him. And he's like, well, you could look what you could have had. And then they, and then the video throws in some like a couple of absolute Newcastle legends. Like, did don't just like set yourself up for a fall? Was like the best three legends in Newcastle United his, history or whatever. And then it's like. Me, (laughs) 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 you know, I don't directly hold him responsible. I think it's just this, this, you know, it's funny. The whole thing, the whole thing about transfer window in general is there's a whole sort of like industry is a stupid word because it obviously is an industry. There's a whole sort of like entertainment business Mm. around the idea of signings. Like just yeah. before they've, it's like people celebrate them like like more than winning a game or scoring a goal. It's like just the status, like like collecting like NFT monkeys or whatever. Like we've collect, we've now got this player, yeah. like, like that in it. It's like well, they haven't kicked a ball yet, and you haven't heard of them five days ago. So let's just calm down. It's good. I'm glad we're invested in the squad, but let's not quite do the parade yet. Right, but you know. It's it's like the pageantry of the American sports draft days. Yes. It's like the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. NFL draft is like, I, I've never watched it, but I've heard it goes on for hours and there's like musical acts and everything. It's like, 
the fuck? You're selecting kids from a high school or a college to come and play. It's not. I get you, but I did enjoy the Bruno. Um, I get it. Uh, yeah. I sort of enjoyed it. I like the music in his video, yeah. and and it's got to be. It's weird, and you've got to say whatever. We'll 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 have a break in a minute, and then we'll get into each of the signings. But I, I don't have the figures at hand. But we have we've spent the most in this transfer window in the Premier League. Yeah, I think in Europe. No, I think they're like second or third in Europe. I think either Juventus or someone else has spent a little bit more, but we've spent 90 One million. So, yeah, we've spent a lot and we haven't said that for a while. So, you know, that's. Well, 90 million eclipses our January transfer window under Mike Ashley. His entire 14 year tenure, every January window, we've just outspent him in one, the first January window. What was the January window before we go for a break? What was the January window under Mike Ashley where we got Sissoko? Who else was in that window? Uh, Gufran, Marvo, uh, Yanga and Biwa, um, Musa Sissoko. Wasn't Kabai in that one, was it? No. No, Kabai was, Kabai was, yeah. It was when we were in trouble. Was it, was it? Was it Tovan as well, or did to- was Tovan? No, Tovan was a, a summer window. Yes, I think it was Debushi? like Gufra. Mm. Oh. Okay, well, I can't, you, I can't remember, you, but they were like, if you're all listening to this, you can look it up. But I guess what I was going to say is... <laughs> Go fucking look it up. Why are you asking it, us? It, it'll be interesting to see whether this January transfer window actually proves to be better than that transfer window. I mean, Sissoko was the only absolute success in that window and so, you know we he did he did take us down but we sold him for a lot of money <laughs> yeah. and he turned he turned out to be a good player <laughs> i see that as an absolute win <laughs> but he arguably contributed to keeping us up that season as well yes definitely yeah. yeah he was you know he turned out to be a very good player a few of them turned out to be all right i don't know we'll see i remember yeah on reflection maybe that window wasn't that good <laughs> Uh, let's have a break and then we will go through each of these players one by one and uh, each give you our extensive knowledge on each. All right, we'll have a break now. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. We're just talking about the transfer window. Uh, the big story, I guess, uh, it comes from uh, at Penn's World on Twitter, says, if we go down, will it mainly be due to the fact we couldn't get Axel Legrand across the line on <laughs> deadline day? We came close. He nearly came, but I don't know. One that got away. Uh, more importantly, Paul M says... Uh, most important signing, despite our terrible centre-backs, it's, right, how are we pronouncing his name? Guimarez. Target. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I thought Target was Target, anyway. Target. <laughs> of course you did. We've got two, I don't know, I genuinely... Is it Guimarez? Or is that? Guimarez. Gummy bears. Why are we Gummy. putting an M-ish at the end? Why is it not a hard S? 
Isn't that the Brazilian thing? Well, what? Is it? That might be more Portuguese. Brazilian. Brazilian. He says, despite our terrible centre-backs, it's, let's call him Bruno. Bruno. It's Bruno for yeah. me. <laughs> we finally replaced Kabai, this kid who I hadn't heard of last week, is quality. So I, I think I think that's where we all stand, isn't it? Yeah. That's where we all stand. Uh, I mean, on last week's pod, that he's a special player roughly 20 minutes after <laughs> hearing of his existence uh, but um, we've all I think even I have got swept up in the idea that this is dare I say it a special player well what I what I failed to articulate on the last one because you two were being monumental pricks was that uh, some of the stats behind it are things like he is the average the third highest progressive passes per 90 out of any midfielder in Europe's top five leagues um, only behind Renato Sanchez and Tony Cruz so like that's that's the level he's he's playing at in terms of progressive passes um, and then what else he can defend really well he's in the 90 plus percentiles for tackles and pressures uh he's completed the second most through balls in europe's top five leagues it's just he, he is he is the complete midfielder that we've been crying out for the last guy who had stats that good i can remember signing was albert luque <laughs> We signed him. Fuck off. Fuck off. Can you remember any stats about how I remember him when we signed him? He had like the most assists in La Liga that the season. Maybe I'm thinking of uh, Gutierrez. But the thing the thing I like about Gumierrez or Bruno, the thing I like about Bruno is that he's he's comfortable on the ball, and that'll allow other players to improve a lot. So we'll see more from hopefully see more from Willick, hopefully see more from St. Maximum, uh, Wilson when he gets back fit, Fraser if he gets on the pitch, Joe Linton certainly, Shelby, he'll help out it by reducing the amount of pressure that the defence is under. He is he is a fucking brilliant signing. Paul, I mean, I, I, I am actually persuaded and I, I think we all thought that, that for a long time that there's a type of midfielder that we desperately need and maybe he's it, Paul? Yeah, I think the type of midfielder we felt we needed is sort of Teote type. This feels like we've got Teote and Kabai combined into one player. And it's I know it's tricky when they're coming in from another league to adjust, but that seems to be less of a problem coming in from the French league just because of the physicality being probably the most similar to this league I think what it helps we've spoken before on this pod about Shelby and Longstaff or Shelby and Willock not really offering any protection to our defence I think it it's part of the problem our defence has been so shoddy this season is that lack of a midfielder who can break it up and also we just don't retain possession with no way of playing it out from the back and we see especially the Watford game just a panicked clearances and he's he's a player who wants the ball and wants to move the ball forward and doesn't seem panicked by having sort of three or four players around him I don't I can't think of the last player we've had who's like that 
I hope he. I hope he is as good as we hope he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, as well, he's a Brazil international, so it's not like we've. It's not like we've gone for Sylvan Marvo and hoped he's as good as he potentially could have been at some point. It doesn't feel um, like a bigger risk. I'm playing football manager at the moment, and I'm currently in uh, the year 2027. So I thought I'd have a look and see how he's doing in the year 2027, according to football manager. Um, he's playing for Bournemouth. Um, <laughs> but, he did, but he is worth 30 million. He's only had one Brazil cap. But they're in the in the real world, he's already had three. So that proves <laughs> football manager wrong. Um yes, he's yeah. I, I in my head, in my limited knowledge of football, I did, I wanted Kante or Edgar Davids or Roy Keane. I wanted someone who was gonna run around, collect the ball. And make nice forward passes. And in my head, I've decided that that is exactly what Bruno is going to do for us. So, therefore, he wins the signing of the window. (laughs) I do wonder as well, what what do you think this does to how we line up? Do you think we change to a 4-2-3-1? Do we persist? See what, why don't we? Why don't we go through all of the signings and then at the end of that, good say show. what we're oh. talking about? Uh, Fucking hell, power's gone to his head, hasn't it? Yeah, but that makes sense, right? Speaking wow. of which, let's talk about our deadline day signing in the shape of uh, Matty Target. <laughs> Matthew Target. Uh, Matty Target. Uh, loan hmm. signing is it like basically we're going to buy him is no, that what it is no there's no option to buy with the loan it is just a straight loan to the end of the season interesting he's so I assume he, he's he's not he's no longer in the the, the first 11 for Aston Villa because I, well, I Villa have signed Luca Dean yeah and they've got Ashley Young and they've got like a young Chambers. kid as well and, yeah, yeah. that'll be because yeah, until they signed Luca Dean, he was their first choice left back. Yeah, he yeah. was last season, and they were He's a, a very reliable left back as well. I think it feels harsh on Jamal Lewis, but then Jamal Lewis is one of those players who's in his last ten games had one good game, nine average ones, and I just focus mm-hmm. on the one good one and think he looks great. Target seems to be a more consistent player and a better attacking option than what we've got on that side. It makes sense as a loan to the end of the season. He might not be, if we stay up, I would imagine we might aim higher than him as a left back. I don't know if that's harsh. Sure. On him. Yeah. And it, oh. it, in the, th- there was talk of on deadline day, we tried to chip Jamal Lewis out on a loan. Mm. Um, and now the talk is, I don't know if this is not confirmed yet. Is it the, um, the squad but the talk is that he's he may be missing out on a squad place and he didn't go on out on a loan because he didn't want to that feels like an error on his part for me because his age and with his like tricky start to his Newcastle career he, he needs games 
And, mm. he, you know, Matt Ritchie doesn't need games, but he, no. you know, hopefully Target will stay fit and Matt Ritchie can serve as, and Paul Dummett between them can serve as cover for left back. But Jamal Lewis, what, he doesn't need to be sticking around to be left back cover. No, but game, well, right? but I think the way we look to play and the way Eddie Howe uses fullbacks, Lewis is probably second choice at left back for me. Third choice would be Mankio. Fourth choice would be Trippier. Fifth choice would be Dummett. Sixth choice would be Richie. So I, I think it's harsh on Lewis to be left out of the squad in favour of like Matt Ritchie, who I'm not sure. sure. I don't think, I don't, I think yeah, for I mean, any position the, the, he can play, Matt Ritchie isn't above second choice or third choice for that position. But maybe the choice to... if you, We're not in any cups, right? If you're the second choice left back, there's a strong chance you'll hardly get any minutes for the rest of the season. Maybe especially it's a decision especially when, by how that like yeah. well I think that this Jamal Lewis potentially has a future at the club. He needs game time. Yeah. So yeah. you know it might have been a positive move for him. You know we don't know. And it also makes sense to leave Lewis out of the, the squad like ship him out on loan 100% that's what he should he should be doing it but if he's not going out on loan it makes more sense to have Dummett who can play centre half and left back Mankio who can play left back and right back Richie who can play you know either flank up front and also left back or right back and is a big character in the window like Lewis can only play left back and not at a particularly high standard so it's a shame for him because uh, I'd hope for better, but he should have gone out on loan a hundred percent. That's one of yeah. the weird things about our squad, though, isn't it? It's, it's it's now quite an an aging squad, which means that it's quite full. Do you know what I mean it's not deep, but it's full? Do you know what I mean we don't have like many under twenty one year olds, basically? Yeah, I think the number Everyone. of Premier League starts has gone up quite a bit, though, with the players we've bought. It feels. Like we've got good experience now, which we, mm. which seems more, more useful. I think there's a version of this transfer window where we just spunked money on a load of gambles, upset the dressing room more, and upset the wage balance of the players more. This feels like a a more measured window where most of the signings are still useful if we get relegated and are sort of ready made to bring us out the championship. But just one final last brought in as well. Yeah, one one final thing on target. He is, like you say, Fergus. He is good at as an attacking option. He does. He does. He, I think he's in the ninety first percentile for like progressive passes again. So him and Grumierish and Trippier and um, players like that do like to get the ball forward quickly. That's their first instinct is to to push the ball forward. Target's not going to run with the ball. He's not. I think he's like in the seventh percent of a dribbling. It's it's getting the ball up quickly. I think that's that's good for target. Yeah, I, I mean, think as well against who likes to get the ball forward and doesn't run with the ball. That sounds an awful lot like Lumpet. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you know he's not hitting long balls. It's it's just forward passes. But I think as well we saw against Leeds when Mankio came on at left back. That was the first time we'd seen a left back sort of getting anywhere near the opposition penalty area. And I feel like we'll see that a lot more 
and with higher quality with target than we would with Mankio. Yeah. But yeah, we probably have addressed the depth at fullback by bringing him in because Mankio is probably second choice for left back and right back. And then you got Dummett. The yeah. other deadline day signing, uh, which until we were linked with him, sort of caught me by surprise. Uh, Dan Byrne, Brighton centre back. How familiar were you with Dan Byrne before we signed him, Dave? And I knew he was massive, and I knew that he was from Blythe, which is about a mile and a half of where away from where I grew up. But aside from that, I just thought he was a big defender. I didn't know much about him at all. I think if you'd asked me to name players from the Brighton squad, I wouldn't have yeah. thought of Dan Byrne. I think no. he just he hadn't. It's nice that he's local. I wonder if that played into it. And mm. um, and I, again, I completely understand that that the desire to be practical. If you can't get Diego Carlos or Sven Botman or whoever the big new thing in centre back is. Then, um, then you need to get someone in. Da- uh, Paul, any comments on Dan Byrne? Yeah, he, I've got to be honest. I didn't know much about him until we were linked with him. Then I read up about him and decided he's exactly what we need because I'm a right. stupid football fan. Yeah, he's special. So in he is special. <coughs> in a way, it seems, in some ways, less risky than bringing in Diego Carlos. I think just because of that Premier League experience. And he, he's a giant, but the cliche always is with the big players, like good with his feet. But he does seem to be a genuinely good passer of the ball and an upgrade on what we've got in that position. And the left-sided centre-back, which we've only... Kieran Clark was that, but wasn't mm. up to the standard. Paul Dummett is that, but isn't fit enough. I feel like he'll walk into our first team. It's whether he's alongside Cher or Lascelles. I'm praying it's listed chair because like Burn is a big, strong centre half, and that in you know you were saying it's like John Terry and Rio Ferdinand, or Cher is Rio Ferdinand, and Dan Byrne is John Terry. We don't need Lascelles with his couple of big mistakes a game, and I think with the leadership that we've got in Trippier. We don't need Lascelles as captain on the pitch. I feel like well, Dan Byrne as the ball playing one though is the Rio Ferdinand in this and that sort of if it's gonna be Ferdinand and Terry, which it has to be if you're having a centre back <laughs> pairing, there's no other option. It feels like Lascelles is the John Terry in that situation. So what you're saying is twenty nine year old Dan Byrne is the next Rio Ferdinand. That's what yes. you're saying. Um well, this we're getting into the conversation that we've all been waiting for. Drew Black says, now that the window has been gently closed, what do you think our best lineup will be versus Everton? Uh, Sean Morgan says, which previous squad members will improve the most by playing with the new players? Shelby next to Bruno, Lascelles slash Shah next to Byrne. What's it going to be? What's it going to be, guys? I think Target weirdly, is going to be very good for St. Maximin. Can I just, before you go on, can I just make a public apology for the amount of times I've said guys on this podcast? I don't know why I keep on saying guys. And every time I say it, I I hate myself a little bit more. Why do I keep saying guys? Anyway, carry on, Paul. 
Yeah, I think St. Maximin's not really played with an overlapping fullback that creates even more space. I think that's going to be quite... I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think having had Dummett, who will get to the halfway line and then just turn backwards, or Lewis, where he doesn't really have much understanding with him, hasn't quite worked for him. And the same with Matt Ritchie. Um, I think that could be... That could just add a bit more balance to the team as well. I'm looking forward to I, that. I find it hard to picture St. Maximum having much understanding with any yeah, that's true. fullback. Like he's such a like no one, including himself, ever knows what he's going to do. So how you could develop an understanding with a left back. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Bruno link up with players like some maximum with the through balls but also Joe Willock I think Joe Willock is at his best when he's bursting through from deep and I think if he can make if he can make clever runs Bruno can find him I think Wilson when he returns Wilson you know certainly on football manager he's fucking loves the through ball when he scores a hatful so I'd, I'd expect someone like Bruno to to get more out of pretty much everybody that he plays with. I am really, I'm putting too much on him. I know I am. But um, it's the ones who like, I can't see who's really, how Shelby's going to benefit from this massively. I don't, I can't see his game being lifted by a lot. It depends on our he's... formation. Because I think if we keep that sort of three in the middle, it mm. makes most sense to have Bruno at the base of that and two either side yeah. of him. But you could let's, easily let's have Shelby yeah, Shel- keep- at the base and Bruno and Willock or another either side of him. Right. Why don't you, why don't you go for it, Paul, and give us what you... Let, let, let's, um, we'll what have, I would like we'll to... We'll send out a bit. What would be your lineup uh, against Everton, assuming everyone other than Wilson is fit? Well, against Everton and what I'd like us to play a sort of different, because I think we'd be better off with a 4-2-3-1, but I don't know if you want to change the formation just before Everton after a win with that, what is essentially 4-3-3. I think if you look at when Joe Linton went off against Leeds, we seem to be closer to a 4-4-2 or a 4-4-1-1 with St. Maximum behind Wood. I'd almost go for that. With our, our back four pretty much the three new guys and Cher for me. Then it would be Bruno and Shelby together as that that base. I think Shelby's played his way back into our starting eleven. I don't think he's long-term the answer, but has been. It's harsh on Willock, but Willock's had one good game. So I don't know if I think picking Willock ahead of Shelby would be too harsh. Then I think you would have Joe Linton on the left for me and Fraser on the right, St. Maximin and Wood up front. St. Maximin is like the number 10. Dave? I would stick with a 4-3-3. I would have, like we say, the the three new guys and Cher. As the back four, I would have um, Gumieres, I'd have Bruno, I'd have... Willock and Longstaff, and I would have St. Maximum, uh, Fraser and Wood. 
No Joe Linton. Mm, actually, yeah, swap out uh, Longstaff for Joe Linton. Okay, interesting. I do think I would pick, on current form, I would actually pick Shelby over Willock. But it's, not, it's a nice position I understand. had for a while where a central midfielder has played their way into contention. I just think, so my, my reason behind dropping Shelby out of contention is that I think what he gives us is picked up by Bruno mm. and like the long passing, the, the, the control of the ball and, and the, you know, that side of things. I don't think he will benefit from having Gumierish beside him as much as the others would. I think Willick's move, like energy and Joe Linton's energy alongside a player like uh, Bruno would, they could create triangles and make space, draw players out of position for other runners and stuff. Where Shelby is like, for all he has improved and he has, I don't think he puts in as much of an effort with his off the ball movement as the others do. I see what you're saying. And to be fair, um, we hope that uh, this window has improved our defence significantly. Um, It has not necessarily improved our attack significantly. And Willock, although he hasn't done it this season, does provide provide potentially some goal. I mean, I know Shelby scored. Uh, yeah. Uh, Shelby must game. be our third highest scorer. Sure. But Willick, but he's a sort of like moments of brilliant slash goalkeeping errors. Whereas mm, yeah. Whereas Willick is a is a in in theory can be a sort of like uh what has been in the past when he was on loan and arrive in the box actual sharpshooter. <laughs> a sharpshooter I think what's interesting is going to be what happens when Wilson goes comes back will we drop Wood entirely to the bench will we play with like Fraser and St Maximum will, like it's it is interesting it? I think it feels like we've got the options now as well to pick a starting lineup based on who we're playing not just going like these 11 have to start because what's, mm. what's below them in the pecking order isn't good enough. I think yeah. it'll be up to word on, on how he does. I, I, Eddie Howe picked out Wood in the game against Leeds put for, for praise, which I think was a sort of trying to give him confidence. Yeah. Sort of, only, only out of a couple of games. So he's not, he, he, he's not having a terrible start to his, his, career with us or anything but you know I think he's not really done much yet and he wanted to give them some confidence I think but one thing think... that will sort of define the Wood signing as well is Burnley have used that or some of the money we gave them for Wood to sign is it Weghorst the Dutch mm. international striker and if he starts banging in the goals for them it suddenly starts to look a much worse signing where we've taken away a rival's underperforming striker and bought them a much better one at half the price. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that was interesting is that I saw it was in the Athletic that um, the us buying wood from Burnley meant that the clubs that represent, like the clubs who own the players that Burnley were after started asking for a lot more money 
for their players because they were like, well, fuck off, you just got 25 million off off Newcastle for, for Chris Wood. You've got enough money to make a higher bid here. So um, with Weghorst, he is a massive striker. He is a younger Chris Wood. Uh, he might be better than him, but it's still, that's, like, I don't think, I don't think it solves the biggest issue at Burnley, which is that, like, it's not just for them, it's not just about um, having a big man to hit because they had one and they were still in that mess. I, I don't think Weghorst is going to drag them out of it. Well, one of them is a Dutch international, one of them is a New Zealand international. They're both internationals and that's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm scrolling through. One thing I wanted to mention while you're scrolling is that yeah. the the four clubs are around the, the relegation spots, like except for ourselves, like Burnley, Norwich, Watford, and Leeds. Like Burnley have bought Wegost, Norwich haven't bought anybody, Watford have bought a collection of cheap imports, and Leeds haven't bought anybody. So we've certainly given ourselves no excuses. Mm. <laughs> we've spent ninety million quid. We've definitely yeah, we've gone for it. We've definitely had the best window of anyone. Well, certainly that we've had, we've made the most effort this window of anyone in the bottom half. I kind of weirdly worry that Watford have done quite a good job strengthening by bringing in Roy Hodgson. Yeah. It might be too late for them anyway, but I, I feel like if anyone can sort out the mess that is Watford and keep them up by just attritionally picking up points with dire football, it'll be him. Like I've watched Roy Hodgson's Palace a lot. And there's been some dog shit footballers there who've been able to collect one nil wins a lot of the time. I I don't I don't like vehemently disagree, but the, the the doubt in my mind is that Watford aren't like if you if you put Roy Hodgson in charge of any of the clubs down there, I'd say yeah, hundred percent. But because of the makeup of the Watford squad, I'm not so sure because quite a lot of them are just are mercenaries. And when Roy Hodgson tells them that they've got a you know, you've got to drill this particular formation and do this, do that. I'm not sure that they're going to take it on board. It'd be interesting to see if Frank Lampard manages to drag or help drag Everton down into it. I'm not dismissing Frank Lampard as a manager. Who knows? But like, I mean, as far as I could see, even under Rafa, their problem on their current run is like conceding a lot of goals. Yeah. And he's caught the Everton bug of like, I'm the new Everton manager. I need to sign a couple of number 10s. So he signed like Delhi Alley and Van der Beek. So I don't yeah. Know. I mean, they've signed a couple of young fullbacks, but like you say, I don't think that solves the problem that they're conceding a shit ton of goals. I don't think the atmosphere is going to be amazing at Goodison because they've brought in Frank Lampard as well. I mean, Frank Lampard seemed an okay manager until Tuchel came into Chelsea and showed how <laughs> good that squad was. <laughs> I think, honestly, had they given the job to Duncan Ferguson uh, till the end of the season, I think that they would have they would have played played with a lot more fight and a lot more passion. And I'm not sure that Frank Lampard. He might inspire them and the, the, the new manager bounce might catch us. But I don't think that he's going to take them on the, like a, a table climbing run. I think he's capable of having quite a, yeah, quite a long new manager bounce. 
I mean, even Tim Sherwood had a new manager bounce when he started out, didn't he? Yeah, that, that's fair. It, yeah, my thing is he, he took Derby from six. Positivity, you know. Yeah, it was probably quite a miserable squad. I mean, I think he's the sort of person who. Brings. It wouldn't surprise me if they have a new manager bounce, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they lost the next five games. I think that's sort <laughs> of where Everton are at the minute. But hey, I tell you what he guys, will do. Guys, is, guys, that's football. <laughs> what, he, what he will do is he'll, um, in his next press conference, he'll make light of something and then, but no seriously. That's that a meme that's what now, isn't it? I've, this is, I've only sort of caught on to this today, this Frank Lampard meme. I think it's disrespectful to England. I think it's disrespectful <laughs> to the Queen. And I'm, I'm ashamed of anyone who shares it. Uh, I'll, I'll do one more thing from Twitter. Uh, the Thames, the Irish Thames, says, Dave mentioned Costa in a recent episode. There's now talk of signing him as a free agent. Does Dave still like the idea? The fuck did I mention Simon? I think Costa? it was me. I didn't know. I think we, we accidentally said, I don't know. Some, I well, think no, somebody asked about Diego about Costa Diego. and we thought they were about Diego Carlos. Anyway. We were linked with Diego Costa, who was a free agent. Would you like Diego Costa? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Be a bit of fun. He's a psychopath, so it'd be fun. But then, no, I'm sure there's better free agents. I don't know. Cavani for us, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd rather I'd, have him I'd than Dwight what, Gale. I yeah, I would rather yeah, have him. I mean, I have, I'm not sure I've seen him play in about three years, but I think if he's like 40% of the player he last he was the last time I saw him play, I think he might be better than Chris Wood. So, yeah, bring, bring Diego Costa, please. Um, fine. It's not my money. Okay, uh, our next game is against Everton. Uh, it's on, what is it, Tuesday night, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be in, uh, all being well, if we stay COVID-free as a household, I'm going to be in the United States, hoping to watch it. Like It'll be a watchable time of day, though, won't it? Yeah, it'll be like in the afternoon. I'm having to like sit in some sports bar near Tampa on a weekday afternoon <laughs> in a suburb near Tampa. I hope the only place you can find that's showing it is a strip club. Oh, that would just be possible. you. It's possible. I mean, on a Tuesday afternoon, I don't know how active strip clubs are. Getting to see suburbs. some Brazilians. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that could be an interesting experience for me. Um, what are your predictions, Paul? They've got quite, I mean, before they signed Donny van der Beek, I think they had Decore and their only other fit central Alan. midfielder out. Yeah. So it depends. It's, like I say, but it's such an unknown quantity. You don't know how they're going to react to Lampard. I think St. James's will be quite an atmosphere, though. It's another, every game sold out at the minute. And mm. five new signings will be there. But Wood might not be there, depending on if he's one of the New Zealand players who's got COVID and will have to isolate for 10 days. So let's hope oh, is not. That, is that, I yeah. don't know. So if he, if he doesn't have it, he's been, I think he's been double jabbed at least. So he should be able to circumvent the rules about 
somebody in your household or somebody in your party getting it that you have to isolate for a certain number of days. He's got he's sufficiently jabbed that he can navigate around that as long as he doesn't have it. If he's got it, then that'd be a fuck. Not available. But, like, but um, I tell you what, it would be Dwight Gale starting, and yeah. if if there's another player in our squad that can get on the end of some through balls, true. Dwight Gale. Do you reckon it'd be Dwight Gale starting? Hasn't he? Eddie Howe already played a game with Wilson not fit and he didn't... It was the Cambridge game, it was the it was the FA Cup, but now that the window's closed, because I was, you know, it could have been that the, you know, didn't want to play him in the Cup in case he was cup-tied and somebody wanted to add. I don't know, like, it's unlikely, but it could have been. There must um, be an element of going to Joe Linton. Like, you are supposed to be a striker, and do you have played? He's not. He's not, not a number striker. nine. He's not a striker. It's not a striker. All right. So, um, score predictions, Dave. I reckon we'll put two past Flappy Hands Pickford. He had to bring some prejudice into it. No, it's just every time. Every time. Every time we play Pickford, he has a fucking panic attack. Yeah, and he, he just lets it get. Yeah, so I reckon two, no, two one. I reckon two score. one. Paul, yeah. I'm going to go one nil to us. One nil. I think we'll win two one as well. I think that atmosphere will be fantastic. Like you said, there'll be three brand new players in the squad. I would have thought, one of whom the fans will definitely be very excited about. I think as well, the signing we've glossed over a lot just because he was our first. Trippier is... If we'd signed Trippier yesterday out of the blue, we would be over the moon about it. I think we've had time to get used to it. It's such a a crucial signing for what we need in the club, not just football-wise. Yeah. No, it was definitely a good first signing. Okay, let's let's leave it there. I'd hate myself tonight. Give us a guy. We've been doing weird ones. <laughs> hey, you're right. Look, I just feel you're like fine, man. I just feel Guys. like it was fine there when I was doing okay as the Newcastle Matter host, but I just don't think I've got it in me anymore, guys. I think it's time <laughs> to hang up my boots. Guys. Yeah. All right. Well. You're doing a terrific job, and yeah. me and your mom are very proud. Thank you. Um, all right. Thank you very much, Dave. You're doing a good job, Fergus. Thank you. I did actually get a text from my mum saying she was proud of me today, so that was nice. Oh. <laughs> Thank you very much, Paul. I got the same text from your mum. Did you? Yeah. All right. Dave, did you get a text from my mum saying she was proud of you? Not that she was proud of me. It was something wildly inappropriate. Oh. Okay. I was setting no. you up there for a nice joke to end it on, and you've set it into Filthland. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.